0: This morning we uh, have been ministering a series of sermons and, and uh, on the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to take up right where we left off last week. And we're going to continue with part four of that sermon series. So if you have your Bible and you would like to share the reading of the scripture, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 9 down through the 13th verse. So Matthew chapter 6 verse 9 down through verse number 13. You will recall that the Bible says in the book of Luke that the disciples came to Jesus and they requested that he teach them how to pray. And so we're reading in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, and the scripture says that Jesus spoke to them and said, After this manner, therefore, pray ye. amen and we're going to stop reading right there ask that you bow your heads and let's just pray that the lord will enable me to put uh, preach what he's put upon my heart all right so father we are thankful this morning to again have the opportunity to be in the house of god thank you for bringing us here and thank you for uh, the presence of the holy spirit that we sense and that we feel We are a very grateful people this morning, Lord, for you have blessed us in so many, many, many ways. And we honor and we thank you for that. We come to you for the reading of the word and the ministry of the word this morning. And I would just simply ask that you would give me a divine ability. I am not adequate in my own self. In my own abilities, I will fall short. But I pray that you will touch my mind and put your words in my mind, that you will anoint what I have prepared and tried to study and and engaged my heart with this past week. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you will allow me unction to function as an instrument in your hand. I pray that you will let Jesus be glorified in the people that hear the word of the Lord. Let them be edified and be lifted and be encouraged. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, all of these wonderful things, and we will fail not to give you the glory and the praise forever. And everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen. Amen. So this morning I am going to, uh, the title of the series is Teach Us to Pray, and this morning the subtitle, if you will, for part four is Prayer, is about requesting and releasing. Prayer is about requesting and releasing. And Jesus is teaching them, not necessarily a prayer that we are to commit to memory or that we are to pray over every situation, but understand that he is preaching or teaching them a prayer that has certain principles, that he would like for us to bring into our prayer life. So thus far, Jesus has taught, we have taught phrase by phrase in each of the corresponding principles that, that, that are relevant to us as we approach the throne of God. As children, we pray our Father, and we acknowledge our relationship with God. When we pray, our Father, we acknowledge God's parenthood, and we concede our position as children. As mortal beings, we pray, which art in heaven, and we are reminded of God's elevated position, his majesty, and his power. We are reminded of his eternal greatness. As worshipers, we pray, hallowed be thy name. And when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are compelled to recognize the supremacy of his position and power and his holiness. We are compelled to recognize and acknowledge that God is pure and undefiled and completely without blemish. As subjects, we pray, thy kingdom come. We pray a prophetic prayer for the reality of his earthly kingdom to be manifest in this earth. When we pray thy kingdom come, we are praying for the reality of his kingdom to come within us. And we are praying for the culture of the kingdom of God to become a way of life upon this earth. As servants we pray thy will be done. And we are praying a prayer of submission and surrender. We are praying we are going to set aside our agenda for your agenda. We are going to set aside what is important to us and make the kingdom of God a priority in our life. So I remind you this morning that as Jesus is teaching, he is teaching more about the principles of prayer than about memorizing a certain prayer for every occasion or every occasion. He's teaching us that we are children He's teaching us that we are mere mortal beings and in need of a heavenly divine intervention. He's teaching us that we are worshipers and he's teaching us that we are subjects and we are servants in his kingdom. I submit to you this morning that the point of the Lord's prayer up to this point has been focused upon him. I would submit that up to this point in the model prayer that Jesus speaks to his disciples. The focus is centered upon him. Let me show you what I mean. He is the exalted father. He is holy. He is hallowed. We are to pray thy kingdom, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The focus as it should be is centered upon him and his glory and his power and his majesty. And now we come to verse 11 and verse number 12, where Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors or those that are indebted to us. And I want you to notice that there is a decisive shift in the principles of the prayer. The shift and the focus, amen, is no longer upon him, but now he allows us to come to him and make our requests known. In other words, after we have recognized our relationship after we have recognized his heavenly power and his eternal glory, after we have worshiped and hallowed and revered his name, after we have prayed his kingdom come and the culture of the kingdom be a part of our life, and now that we have submitted our will to his will, now he tells us that we can come and make our requests known before the Lord. And in doing so, Jesus makes it clear that prayer is about receiving and about releasing. And this morning, I want to break down those two verses, 11 and 12. And I want to look at them more closely. Give us this day our daily bread. And we'll discuss the prayer or prayer is about requesting. So the first thing that I want to point out to you from verse 11 is I want to point out to you that bread is absolutely essential. It is a basic necessity of life, especially in the days of the Old and the New Testament. Bread was a necessity. Bread is a symbol of all that is necessary for survival and for a full life. Bread is both a symbol of sustaining provision for both the physical body and the spiritual body. Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse number 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And he that comes to me shall never hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. Again, he said in John 6 and 48, I am the bread of life. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 4, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Bread was absolutely essential for life. It is nourishment, both physically and spiritually. Jesus is pointing out that the word of God spiritually sustains us. His word is spiritual nourishment to our heart. Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse number 16, this is what the prophet says. Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Job chapter 23 and verse number 12, Job said to the Lord, neither have I gone back from the commandments of your lips, or neither have I gone back from your word. I have esteemed the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. Amen. In other words, what Job is saying is your your word has spiritually sustained me. Psalm 119 and verse 103, the psalmist said, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, they are sweeter than honey. Your words are sweeter than honey. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We are praying for nourishment or nutritional nourishment, amen, spiritual provision that will sustain both our physical bodies and our spiritual bodies. We are praying for a provision in both the natural realm and the realm of the spirit. When we pray, amen, give us this day our daily bread, we are recognizing that our provision comes from the Almighty. It comes from God. Here in our text, I would like to just simply point out to you this morning that the simple prayer that Jesus prays, give us this day, our daily bread, has great meaning. And this morning, I want to point out a few observations, four observations from verse number 11. Observation number one or point number one. The first point is only one word. We don't get very far. We just It's a very important word, but it's just one word, and it says give. Give indicates our complete dependence upon him for everything when we pray give we are asking God for his help we are putting our trust that he alone can and will supply our needs church I want you to know this morning that God desires for us to look to him for all of our needs when we don't know what we should do in a certain situation he is our source of wisdom when we don't feel Amen, like things are going well and we feel like everything is caving in around us. He is our source of encouragement. When we feel as though we have run out of fortitude, he is our source of strength. When we feel helpless and hopeless, he is our source of hope. When we feel stressed, he is our source of peace. And when we're feeling irritated, and frustrated in this life. Uh, He is our source of patience. Uh, When we feel guilty and ashamed uh, and we know that we blunted, he is the source uh, of our salvation. Mm. He is everything that we need. The Bible gives us a beautiful promise. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, here's what the scripture says. But my God shall supply All of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Unto him, unto God our Father be glory forever and ever. For us to pray give is not a demanding attitude or a commanding kind of prayer, but rather it is simply the acknowledgement that there is nothing that our God cannot do on our behalf if we will but only ask. How many of you know the scripture says that we have not because we ask not? Let me give you an illustration. A few months ago, I read a story of a poor woman who stood in her humble home looking out at the king's conservatory. And near the conservatory was a beautiful grapevine and a large cluster of grapes hung on that vine which she longed to have for her sick daughter, her sick child. And so she went home to her spinning wheel and earned a half a crown. And then she went to the king's gardener to buy that cluster of grapes. And she offered him that half a, half a crown. And he, he refused her and, and refused her offer and turned her away. So she returned to her cottage and she snatched the blanket off of her own bed and went and pawned it and sold it, amen, so that she could gather more, uh, more money so that she could buy that cluster of grapes. And she returned to the king's gardener, amen, to offer him five shillings. And before she could even make her offer, he spoke to her furiously and roughly. And he spoke with her in anger and in a heated fashion and refused her offer and turned her away. And about that same time, the prince walked up and heard the conversation And he said to the woman, my dear woman, amen, what is wrong? What is the story behind your asking? What is it that you need? And the woman, through her tears, said she wanted to buy the cluster of grapes for her child, for her ailing child. And the prince looked at her and said, my dear woman, you have made a mistake. My father is not a merchant, but he is a king. Amen. His business is not to sell but to simply give to those who ask. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The prince plucked the cluster of grapes from the vine and dropped it into the woman's blanket. And what I am saying this morning is when we pray, give, amen. When we come to the Lord and we present our need, we are asking God, our king, to supply our need. There is no way that we can earn it. There is no way that we can buy it. But he freely gives to us every good gift and every perfect gift. The Bible says, come down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. What does that mean? It means that he is good all the time. Amen. Amen. My prayer this morning is for us to realize that God desires us to ask. Remember the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 in verse number seven, he says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And everybody, he says, everyone that asks receives. And everyone that seeks finds. And everyone that knocks, it shall be opened unto them. He goes on to say, Or what man of you is there Whom, if his son asked bread, would he give him a serpent or a stone? Would he give him a, if he said, he says, if he asked a piece of fish, would he give him a serpent? And then he goes on to say, if you being evil know how to get good gifts unto your children, how much more will your father, which is in heaven, give good things unto them that ask him, ask him. Give, Beloved, we need to understand that God is not some tight-fisted, mean-spirited, heartless dictator sitting in the heavens. uh, Amen. That delights in watching his children struggle. No, he is a loving, uh, he is a gracious, uh, amen, father who delights in the very best gifts for his children. Amen. That word give, we need to bring our requests before the Lord. Observation number two. Notice that the two words in this, I want, to, I want you to notice the two words in this, in this 11th verse. It says, us and our. Notice it says, give us this day our, us and our. This is a prayer that cannot be prayed selfishly. It is a prayer that is not about I and my, it's about us and our. It is not about getting just my needs met, but it is about praying for the family of God. We are challenged and commanded to have the best interest of our brothers and sisters in our heart. Amen. As we pass through this life and as we pray, the Bible says in Philippians chapter two and verse number four. Look not every man unto his own things, but every man also on the things of others. In other words, put others first. Don't just think of yourself. Galatians 6 and 2, this is what the Bible says. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love. He's saying bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of love. 1 Corinthians 10 and four, uh, 24 says, Let no one seek his own, but each, everyone else's or every other's well-being. What I'm saying this morning is, when we pray, us and our, we are praying for one another. We are to pray for our preachers and our teachers and our missionaries and our Sunday school teachers. We're to pray for the single mother who is struggling to pay the rent. We're to pray for the struggling teenager who's trying to determine which path he's going to walk in life. We're to pray, Amen, for the family that's lost a loved one. We're to pray for the one who are sick. We're to pray for one another. We are to lift one another up in the Lord. Us and our banish the thought of selfishness. There is no place for I and my We're instructed to pray for the needs of others. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart over this past week as I was studying to prepare for this message. And and the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart and said, when was the last time that we prayed that God would meet the needs of our enemies? True confessions, it's been a while. When was the last time that we prayed God would meet the needs of our enemy's household? When was the last time that we prayed God would provide for others? Even folks we don't like. Oh, we don't have any problem going to God telling him all about our needs. But what about the needs of others? And I'm going to challenge you here. I mean somebody, you know, I mean the ladies put a prayer request on the ladies, you know, Facebook page or you hear a prayer request here in the church and and you know or, or somebody you go, well, we'll pray about that. And do you really you should, right? Sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll allow that opportunity to just slip by. Pray, pray for one another. The words us and our should dismiss any thoughts of selfishness or self interest, and it should inspire us to think beyond ourselves and beyond our needs and think about the needs of others. The words us and our reveal that we are supposed to have a genuine concern for those that are around us. Uh, Amen. Let me try to put it in a nutshell. What Jesus is saying is that any person who goes to bed hungry, whether it is physical hunger or spiritual hunger, it ought to be of concern for the believer. Amen. We need to be not only praying, but reaching out to minister to those needs. Uh, Observation number two, or number three, it says this day, this day, not tomorrow, this day. When the words this day are prayed, it reminds us that we need to eliminate worry and anxiety about tomorrow or what the future may hold. Jesus teaches these words in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 34 Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. That same scripture in the God's Word translation says, don't ever worry about tomorrow. After all, tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Don't be trying to borrow trouble from tomorrow. Hello? We need to be focused on this day, our daily bread. How many of you ever heard the old hymn I may, or the old saying, I may not know uh, what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow? Or the old song that says, One day at a time, sweet Jesus. We are to be praying one day at a time this day. Beloved, what I'm trying to say this morning is that we are instructed to keep our eyes on the day that is before us and not get all caught up in the anxiety and the apprehension of what tomorrow holds. That does not mean that we don't make plans and we don't build toward our dreams and our aspirations. Amen. Praying just this day does not mean that we don't make strategies and preparations to build upon our aspirations and our desires. But what it does mean is that we are not supposed to get so caught up worrying about the things of tomorrow that we miss the blessings that God intends for us to enjoy today. Amen. Have you ever thought to yourself, amen, oh, if everything would just all line up, I would be okay. Well, let me just tell you, everything seldom just lines up. But I can tell you from experience that if you keep your trust in the Lord and your faith in God, when you get through the thing, you will look back and go, oh, wow. I don't know how he did that. I have told people down through the years, when you pull into the parking lot at Walmart, you do not need the doors to open. You haven't even found a parking spot. <laughs> Hello? I mean, we, I mean, when, when we think on things, we want everything to just line up and everything to be, oh, oh, I know exactly how it's going to go. Never works that way. When you pull in the parking lot at Walmart, the doors are not going to open. When you get the car parked, put it in gear, set the you know emergency brake, turn the key off, get out of the car, lock the door, the doors at Walmart are not going to open. But when you get there, they'll open at the right time, just in time. That's the way it is with God. Amen, what I'm saying this morning, amen, is don't don't expect God to open doors for you when you ain't even got the car parked yet. Hello? When you get ready, God will open the right door at the right time. It may be today, it may be tomorrow, it may be a month from now, it may be a year from now, but at the right time, at the right time, in the fullness of time, God will open the door just in time. I have often said that, you know, he's never early. He's never late, but he's missed a lot of opportunities to be early. <laughs> when we pray this day, it reminds us that we are to daily come before the Lord in prayer and trust him to meet our needs on a daily basis. Observation number four, we pray our daily bread it reminds us that each one of us have a suitable daily portion it reminds us that every believer has a portion of daily bread which is ours amen a daily portion we need to stop coveting the neighbor's portion and start thanking God for our portion (laughs) stop looking over the fence at someone else's proverbial greener pasture (laughs) I found out a long time ago that, you know, the pasture on the other side of the fence may look a lot greener, but it's irrigated by the same water. (laughs) Pastor Gary, what do you mean? I'm saying it may look like they got it going well, but, amen, I get right, you get right down to it and they got the same kind of problems that you have, amen? When we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We're saying that we completely and totally are dependent upon God for provision. We are acknowledging that God is our source of supply. Psalms 145, verse 16, the Bible said that he opens his hand and he satisfies the desire of every living thing. Psalms 104 and verse 28 says what? Amen. You give them, they will gather in. You open your hand and they are filled with good. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We are proclaiming that we believe in the power of God and that we believe Believe that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think we're telling God that we believe that he has the power and the ability to step down in the middle of our situation and bring about a miracle in our lives. Amen. If our God can create everything out of nothing and uphold it, the Bible says with the word of his power Then I came to tell you he can take care of you this morning. If God can feed nearly 4 million Israelites for 40 years on the backside of the wilderness and rain down 15 tons of bread every morning and every evening, amen, I'm here to tell you, he can take care of you. God can provide about 11 million gallons of water every day, day in and day out for 40 years in a the wilderness. Then he knows how to take care of you. His name is El Shaddai, which means the all sufficient one. And I used to tell people his name is El Shaddai, not El (laughs) Cheapo. He can do all things. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 37 says, With God, nothing is impossible. Don't go in need this morning. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are confessing our limitations and our weaknesses, and we are acknowledging the blessed, amen, all-powerful hand of our God. We are confessing, amen, that we believe that God can meet our needs. There is no such thing this morning as a self-made man You hear what I'm saying? The apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. What is he saying? He's saying that I do not have anything and I am nothing that he did not give me. He's saying, I don't have anything that he didn't give me, and I'm nothing that he didn't make me to be. So he tells us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. I encourage you this morning when you go to him in prayer, let your petitions and your needs be made known and have faith in an almighty God to know that he's able to do not only what you are asking, but he's able to do above and beyond anything that you could ask or think. Mm. Prayer is about Prayer is about requesting. Number two, prayer is about releasing, and we're going to look at number 12, verse number 12. He goes on and says, "Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us or our debtors. When we, when we pray, forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors, we are reminded that we have to deal with the matter of sin in our life. Not only are we going to be required to look at the sins that we ourselves have committed before God, but we are also going to have to deal with the matter of sin in our relationships with others. When we pray, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors, we are confessing before the Lord that we have a problem. Too many believers act as though they never sin. Too many believers think that sin is something that happens to someone else and not in their own life. And as a result, sometimes we often come to him confessing our sin. They never go, believers never go to another believer and say, I'm sorry, I was the one that was wrong. When we pray, forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors, we are confessing before the Lord that we are the one that has a problem. We have a problem with sin in our life, and that we are aware of the fact that we owe a debt that we cannot pay, and we owe a debt, amen, that we cannot cancel on our own. And the most difficult part of verse number 12 is this. The most difficult part of verse number 12 is this. When we pray this prayer, it is if it's understood correctly, it is a prayer that literally means for God to extend forgiveness to me as I for er, into the same degree that I extend forgiveness to others. So let me just ask you this morning, how would you like to be forgiven to the extent that you forgive? That's a scary thought. But the lesson is clear. If I expect the Lord to forgive me when I cry out unto him, then I need to be quick to forgive those that have wronged me. I need to be quick to forgive those that have wronged me. I'm instructed to forgive them to the same level that I desire to be forgiven. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says these words Be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Right there in our text, Jesus goes on to teach them in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and verse 15. He goes on to tell them, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if, if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. What he's teaching us that freely we have received his grace and his forgiveness and that we are freely to give that to others. If I refuse to forgive my brother, then I should expect the Lord, then I should expect the Lord to refuse to forgive me Amen. He's clear that my forgiveness, amen, before Him hinges on my willingness to forgive others. If I harbor unforgiveness in my heart, that iniquity keeps me from His presence. Saints, we are never more like Jesus. We are never more like Jesus than when we can forgive those that have offended us. And I will just tell you right up front, I don't think we should be so easily offended. Hello? My grandmother used to say, consider the source and just go on. Like water off of a duck's back. I don't think we should be so easily offended. The scripture said, they that love the law of the Lord are not easily offended. What does that mean? It just means that we recognize that we've messed up just like everybody else and we need grace and so do they. Right? This morning as we close, I want to just very quickly ask you a question. Are you trying to live spiritually on yesterday's bread? Are you withholding forgiveness that you yourself stand in need of? I believe with all of my heart that we need fresh bread day by day. We need a fresh touch of the Lord in our lives and in our hearts day by day. We need a renewed righteousness for our sinfulness. We need a supply of power and provision for our inability and our weakness. We need patience for our haste, and we need strength in our weakness, and we need bread, the bread of life, the bread of Jesus that nourishes day by day. And without it, our soul will perish. So he's teaching us that each day we come before him to call upon him for fresh bread, He's teaching us that daily we are to come before him acknowledging our wrong and acknowledging our failure and lean upon his grace for his grace is sufficient for our every need. He's telling us that we need to release others from the debt that they owe us just as he has released us from the debt that we owed him. He's telling us that we are to live in that manner day by day. Bow your heads, if you will, please. Bow your heads, if you will, please. Our Father this morning, our Father this morning, we are so grateful for your word. So grateful for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we sensed as we preached the word that you laid upon our heart. Help us now to take it to heart. Help us now, Heavenly Father, to take it to heart. And help us to realize our daily need for fresh bread. Just as the natural man needs to be renewed and refreshed and receive nourishment day to day, our spiritual man cannot and will not survive If we do not have the bread of life. Let the fresh manna of God fall upon our hearts here this morning, I pray. Speak to us here in this house this morning. If we are harboring ill will toward anyone. If we are refusing to forgive anyone. Help us to release that right now, that we may go free. Help us to release that right now, for prayer is about requesting and releasing. We request our needs and our nourishment for our spirit man to be met, oh God, but we release those that are indebted to us. We we pray, Father, you help us this morning. In Jesus name, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you are here today and you would be willing to just slip up a hand and say, "Pastor Gary, I need fresh bread this morning." I need fresh fresh bread in my heart for today. Maybe you're here and you'd say, "Pastor Gary, I, I need I've been harboring a grudge. I've been I've been harboring ill will for someone and I need to let it go." I need to let it go. And I let it go today. Slip up your hand if that's you. And God sees hands that have been lifted all over. Stand to your feet. Let me pray with those that lifted their hands. And then they will come and sing again. Father, you saw every single hand. Hands lifted for fresh bread today. Fresh bread this day. Fresh spiritual nourishment for our inner man today. God, I pray that you will pour out the manna from heaven. The real bread of life. To feed their hungry souls. Those that lifted their hand that said, Lord, help me to forgive even as I've been forgiven. Help me to let go of that grudge. Help me to let go of that resentment. Help me to release that that I have harbored against someone. I realize, I recognize I'm not hurting anybody but me. And today I let it go. I release it. I release it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Lord, I ask for every single hand that was lifted to feel the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Let them be endued with power from on high. Hear their requests. Touch their lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen.